Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquez, affectionately known as El Presidente. I am the captain of this ship, and for the next two hours, we will navigate through this world of sports. Yeah, it's still this crazy world uh, that we're in. We're going to be joined here momentarily by Mo from the BS Sports Show. And then we're going to be getting things kicked off with college football. Rick Reagan, our... College football guru, as well as a new guy, and we'll introduce you to him. Scott Lamb will be joining us to talk some Big 12, and we're going to be talking about the return of the SEC and just, you know, uh, college football. Hey, I mean, we could still talk about it because it's back, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. And then at the top of the of the second hour, we got Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joining us to handle in the racing segment. This week, we got the Harvest GP next weekend here in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, yeah, fans are going to be allowed there, too. So that's another discussion that we'll have. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about NASCAR as well. And then rolling into week three of the NFL, Ed Kratz, beat rider for the Philadelphia Eagles. And SI.com and our official NFL contributor joins us to help us break down, well, a very disappointing loss for the Eagles last week. And, and uh, well, on the other hand, the the, uh, the Colts get a win. Jacksonville gets a loss. So is all well in the world again? I don't know. We are going to find out. Uh, that that much is uh, for sure. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke town. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, Sammy, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map dot New York to LA. We were teenagers. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. I got a feeling deep within my soul. And right now I really need to let you know. Each time I've fallen down inside that hole, you came and showed me there's a way to go. So we can love people and fly higher. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Michael Sal Presidente. Joining us now in the balance hot seat is, I just named that like literally just now, uh, Mo for the BS Sports Show. How are you, sir? Hey, you know, let's let's get into this conversation. I mean, here's the thing. We've talked about this so many times till we're blue in the face. That there's politics and there's sports, and they really should be separated. But unfortunately, the world that we're in has created a, a head-on collision uh, between the two. Uh, and so here we are again. And we've got a situation which, you know, here's the thing. I, I, I agree with Charles Barkley. I want to talk about his, his statements about why, you know, everybody is all in up in arms down in Louisville, Kentucky, not too far from our balance studios here in Indianapolis, about the lack of murder indictment charges. Okay, here's the thing. 
the police officers lost their job. They did get indicted uh, for crimes, felonies, but they didn't get uh, charged with murder. And Charles Barkley said, I don't think... Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Charles Barkley said, I don't think this was one like George Floyd or or Ahmad Aberry and things like that. Barkley said Thursday night during TNT's pre-game coverage of the Western Conference Finals, TNT and CNN are both owned by parent company Warner Media. So he's getting a lot of backlash, and his co-host actually walked off the set. Um, so I think everybody knows the story, but on March 13th, Taylor was killed when police in Louisville, Kentucky, broke open her, her front door while serving a search warrant, and fatality shot, fatally, I'm sorry, shot the 26-year-old black EMT in her home. The killing was led to a nationwide protest uh, calling for racial justice and police reform. Here's the thing, what people are missing here. Her boyfriend was running from the cops and shot a cop. And so I am on the side of Charles Barkley, and a lot of times I'm not. Uh, but, you know, he's right this time. And, and here's the thing. We we have got to, as a country, realize that there are legitimate crimes going on, and that that police have the right to do something and deserve to do something. And and I am all in favor of racial equality. Don't get me wrong, but there has to come a point when you got to realize that if you shoot at the police, there's going to be some circumstances that are set up and. This was an unfortunate situation and one that maybe could have been avoided through with with a better understanding of things. But there again, you know, and we have a lot of military people on our show. I'm prior military. Sometimes training just kicks in. So what are your thoughts about Charles Barkley uh, getting some heat and, and everything that's going on with this grand jury decision down in Louisville? I don't know enough about all the aspects of the case for me to comment on it. I mean, you know, Charles is a very outspoken guy, and it's not the first time he's ever caught heat, but it's, uh, you know, I, I saw what he said, and I, I think, you know, for a, an African-American athlete like that to say something that's contradictory to a lot of the narrative, you know, it took some guts probably on his part. But, again, as far as the entire Breonna Taylor case goes, I don't know enough of the case. Uh, I've tried to shield myself from a lot of the stuff going on because yeah. I, I know we've talked numerous times. I I, I hate mixing politics with sports. It, it ruins it for me. So uh, I will I will take the blame of not knowing enough about the case. Uh, but, you know, Charles Barkley saying uh, what he said, I, you know, it probably it, it took some guts on his part. And here's the thing, and again, you know, we've, again, I'm I'm the same way with you. I've beat it to death. I've beat it to death. But, I mean, there just has to come a point when we, when we realize that, that crimes have repercussions. And it doesn't matter if you're black, white, or orange. If you commit a crime, if you shoot a cop, if you uh, rob a bank, if you run from the cops, 
if you there, if you do a lot of the things that have created some of these situations, things are going to happen. And I just hope that we can get to a point where we we realize that not everything is the way that it appears and the way that that it seems. That said, let's seamlessly move on into the NBA playoffs, my brother. <laughs> the, the national media is going to get a Lakers uh, national championship, true or false? True. So, oh, you want, you want me to expand on? Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, no, you know, no, I mean, no, 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 you're that, right. That, the Lakers look tough. The I mean, <laughs> when you look at the, when you look at the Heat and the Celtics, a they're, they're you know they're probably going to go seven games. Uh, you know, neither team is is super big. Uh, the Lakers have uh, you know a large team. They can play the inside. Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis. Uh, they can protect the rim, and they can play that inside out game that I don't know that the uh, that the Heat and Celtics can keep up with. I mean. Denver was probably the best shot of, of not seeing the Lakers win a championship. Uh, you know, I, I think the Denver Lakers series has been super exciting. Uh, after the, the Dem- after Denver knocked off the Clippers, uh, coming back, you know, Denver coming back twice from three one in these playoffs. Uh, I think you got to commend what uh, what Mike Malone and this Denver team has done. Uh, I just don't think that either Boston or Miami uh, will have enough uh, inside presence to take the Lakers down. So uh, your pick for a national championship game is uh, Lakers uh, and I know God, <laughs> I want to say the Heat, but I'm so scared they're going to run out of steam. You know what? I'm going to say I'm going to say the Lakers and the Heat. You know what? I'm going to go with you on the Lakers, but I'm going to have to roll on over over to the Boston Celtics and and we'll we'll see if it happens. Uh, certainly. Uh, would would it would it be ironic if you will if the Lakers and the Heat do get in it both prior LeBron James teams both teams that LeBron James has, has excelled in and and excelled uh, well in so we'll we'll see so we we uh, go on over to the MLB what say you about them Cubs <laughs> holy cow they in trouble. I mean, good God, they they got uh, beat three out of four against the Pirates. They did actually finally score all the runs they haven't scored last night against the White Sox, beating them ten to nothing. But gee, many Christmas, the offense has been absolutely terrible. Um, you know, it's, it worries me. I don't think they can get past the Reds at this point. Uh, it, uh, it, uh, it it it's worrisome, uh, very worrisome for me. So now I want to flip the script on you on my team. How about my Redbirds and the Cardinals? I think there's a real possibility there. Well, you know, the uh, the Cubs struggled the last series with the Cardinals as well. Uh, you know, here's the thing for me. Unfortunately, I think the Cardinals are going to run out of steam. I mean, that fourth team has played uh, has played uh, uh, so many of uh, doubleheaders this season that uh, – I don't think they're just going to run out of steam there towards the end with the pitching and the hitting. And unfortunately, I'm sure you could hear, your listeners could hear that I'm being paged for a meeting currently at this point. <laughs> so we'll let you go ahead and go, buddy. Uh, we pre- I always know that, that, you know, when you're a man of high demand and when you're, when your number's called, man, your number's called and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta cut you loose, brother. <laughs> yeah. Will you tell my, will you tell, will you, will you relate that to my wife, please? 
Yeah. I will. All right, buddy. We'll talk to All you Tom, later. Thanks, buddy. See All right. See ya. Yeah. Mo from the VS Sports Show. Uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes real life work gets involved with uh, sports. What is going on with this world? Does the world expect that? Why do employers expect us to work when we've got sports to talk about? <laughs> Well, I was going to talk with him a little about a bit about the NFL, but we'll get into that conversation a little bit deeper uh, with uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know, here, here's the thing: it, it 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 is what it is, and it's just kind of become the world that we are in. But you know, here's what, what you know. Everybody says, okay, well, uh, you know, athletes have the right to to use their platform for you know change okay but if it doesn't go along with the narrative they don't have the right no they're bad they're bad people bad people so the narrative is all cops are, are bad the, the narrative is that yeah don't get me wrong i certainly feel like that there certainly needs to be some change it's not all the cops it's it's everybody involved but you know when when the Milwaukee Bucks decided that they were going to uh, uh, boycott their boycott their their uh, game, uh, everybody was all for it. But when people spoke against that and said, "Well, you know, sports is part of the healing process," people didn't like that. And, and so I guess you just gotta you gotta take the better with the sweet. We're going to be joined soon by Rick Riggin, um, maybe a little bit sooner than, than normal, but that's completely fine. But, yeah, so here's here's the thing. Charles Barkley's getting uh, heat, no pun intended, because, you know, basically he said, let's not put this in the same category. And let's also talk about the average Americans who aren't out there involved in the protests that are black that are Asian, that are white, uh, that are children, or, or what have you, they if they get into a, a problem or an emergency happens, the first thing they do is call 911. If somebody's breaking into their home, or if, if they're black and they work for a bank and somebody's robbing their bank, they're going to call 911. And if the cops show up and that particular bank robber decides to shoot the cops or shoot at the cops, well, you can expect it to know what's, what's going to happen from that. And so if the bank robber is black and the bank robber robs the bank and the bank robber shoots a cop and the cop shoots back and kills the bank robber, that does not mean that he's got a racial issue. But we've got to we got to get we've got to get as a country and as a whole we've got to get past this. If we're going to use our sports world as a platform, well then the, let's let let's let some change happen from it. Why do we got to just use it as as something to to dive into and to dive out of? And you know, I, I just sometimes it just it it doesn't make sense 
on on my part and what's going on. 917-889-8516. Would love to hear uh, your side of, uh, of things. Uh, certainly, we're getting ready to get into the college football talk here in, in just a moment. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. This is a good one, kind of groove. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home.
welcome back to the balance. Thanks uh, for uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, for joining us, helping us kick things off. And our new slogan is, yeah, what Rick said. So Rick <laughs> joins us now. Rick Riggin, our college football extraordinaire. How are you, sir? Hey, pretty good. And Tom, you know me. I'm a monster energy drink kind of guy. So I was out getting my daily monsters, my morning monsters for the show. I was listening in. I heard Mo had to get up and leave a little early and his uh, segment short, so I figured I'd call in a little early and step on his toes a bit. Man, I tell you what, that's teamwork, buddy. That's that's, that's what right. makes I'm the here. dream work right there. Right there, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rick Riggan. <laughs> well, all right, yeah, let's let's continue this conversation for just a, a minute or two before we jump into this college football conversation. I know we've got a, a, a balanced rookie uh, going to be joining us today, Scott Lamb, and looking forward to talking with him about the Big 12. But let's talk a little bit about Charles Barkley. And, and here's the, the thing. And, and it, again, this is by far a political show. Unfortunately, uh, it's a head-on collision between uh, politics and sports. And Charles Barkley basically said, this is not because, you know, the big uproar in Louisville is that that the cops weren't charged with murder. These are completely different scenarios that have happened. But everybody is so quick to jump on the narrative because it was a cop and it was a black person that was killed. Then it's automatically a, a racial thing, and that's just not the case. And and I think Charles Barkley and Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, for that matter, did a good job in calling that out and pointing that out that you don't get indicted for a crime that you didn't do. It's unfortunate that it happened, and and the police officers were charged and were fired and may go to jail, and they were charged with felonies, but they didn't break in the house with the intent of killing a woman. Put it in perspective. It's all about the choices that you make in, in life. I mean, if your son decides that he wants to hang around with a, a, a bad group of people and they commit a crime, even though he may not have committed it, but he's there when things go down, something could happen. What are your thoughts on Charles Barkley's comments? Well, you know me. I, I like to separate politics and sports and all that sure. too. I'm just, just I think like we all most. do. <laughs> um, I think we all do. But I do think Charles Barkley is right. And uh, you know what? What sucks right now is there's actually two pandemics going on in the country. There's two we're fighting. So uh, it, it, it's all a bad situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know what to do. What what to say? You know how you handle the uh, situation a little bit with Breonna Taylor because. Uh, Clearly, there's wrongdoing involved. I mean, her boyfriend was, you know, in, into the drugs. I think he fired at a police officer or something. They, they were there he to did. get him. He and shot, he was shot caught in the crossfire. He sh- oh, he shot one. Yeah. And she's caught in the crossfire. And uh, But, you know, I think what the uproar is about is the charges that were filed were about endangering the neighbors and not endangering her. And I think that sucks. I think that's wrong. So, yeah, I didn't read the entire indictment, but I, I do know that the endangerment charge was what they were charged with, and they lost their job. I mean, I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but I think it means a lot. If I lose my job, I think if you lose your job, it, may, it means something. And so, you know, certainly is uh, one of those uh, one of those situations that we just we just got to stand back and and, and scratch our, our head and, and say, can we just please? 
what's the old saying that we used to say? Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? So, Bobby, it, that, that, yeah, that's the cheesy uh, line from the early 90s, you know, is that Rodney King said that. But uh, it, 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 we thought it was cheesy then, but it, it's actually it, it's a great question. It, it's kind of like the truth. I mean, like I said, there's two pandemics going on right now, and things need to change, like, really quick, I think, because I we're on some kind of wrong path here. And I don't know what well, to really say or do about it. So, well, I think we're about to get on the right path because I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Scott Lamb's with us. Scott, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? Hey, <laughs> fantastic, up, man. Hey, welcome aboard. Thank you for bailing us out of this uh, uh, first segment and getting us rolling into the second segment. Scott Lamb, rookie uh, to the balance, but a uh, big uh, twelve guy. Always got to ask everybody first of all. Uh, why the Big 12, or, or I asked Rick this first thing many years ago, why Notre Dame? Why the Big 12? Well, I, I grew up in southern Indiana, and then I left and joined the service, and I'm just sure. now coming back home after about 20 years. Uh, my, my parents went to Kansas State. I've uh, been, over the last decade or so, just been falling in love with Kansas State and the, the Cinderella story they've had since about 1990. And uh, and it just became a, a, a Big 12 uh fan over the course of a couple of decades well they they got the uh, uh they got oklahoma on dock today so we'll get into that that game here in just a second i want to tell you what i appreciate your service we love veterans here uh, my son's in marines i was in the army i know you're in the army you're stationed down in uh, louisiana uh so i appreciate your service what do you do in the service there uh, 20 years in the infantry tw- tw- okay 20 years in the infantry and about to come back home here in the next uh six months or so well, I kind of thought hey, you I might be 11. I, hey, just just real quick, I was in the Air Force, and so going around the table here, introducing all the veterans, and you just <laughs> left me out. I was, get, right. I was getting. Okay. I was getting to you. I was getting to you, brother. <laughs> I promise you, I was getting. I was getting to you. I, I, I de- definitely uh, appreciate appreciate you, but from one Army guy to another guy, you know, and I kind of guessed that that you were 11 Bravo, but it's because of your Twitter handle, and and so say, hey, man. I salute you. I, I was a I was a communications officer, so I'm going to tell you what I'm, I wasn't really the one per se kicking in doors, but I certainly was the one that would listen to a lot of that real time action. And I, I'm going to tell you, nobody respects infantryman more than I do. And so I appreciate your service, Scott, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what are you getting out as uh, a, a a uh, first sergeant, a master sergeant, sergeant of the master sergeant uh, in the army. <laughs> I saw him first class. Okay, good, good, good. My my son's a, a sergeant in the Marines as well, uh, but uh, and he's stationed out at Camp Lejeune. So we appreciate your service, and we appreciate all the Air Force people out there too, man. Because when we call in for air support, and believe me, I've done that many times, and uh, so uh, the the Air Force is is the first to come. So. Uh, Mr. Rick Riggin, uh, thank you for your support. You do, right. You, you, you <laughs> heard, just get you, on with the show, Tom. You heard, you heard get on, on with the, the show. The we're done. It's done. <laughs> we're, 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 we're past the military. We're done. Just get on with it. <laughs> all right, guys. Let's get into the to the meat of it all. It's college football uh, uh, talk, college football weekend. Let's First of all, let's talk about the postponement of Notre Dame because uh, Rick Riggin is our Notre Dame viewer. We usually kick things off with Notre Dame. Uh, Rick, give us the scoop on the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Oh, okay, so you refuse to 
acknowledge I was in the Air Force. Now, he won't talk about my team not playing this weekend. I mean, we're really off to, like, the, the greatest start of all time. All right, well, there's not a whole lot to say about it. Tom Marquez, El Presidente, there, you know, they had seven players test positive earlier in the week. They had about six players, I think, last week not on the roster because they were going through the whole the contact tracing thing and, you know, I guess, quarantine that way. So, all in all, it's like 11 to 13 players. Uh, I don't know what players. I really wish I did know that through all my Notre Dame channels that I kind of stalk every day. I haven't seen players player names mentioned. I'm assuming it's going to be some starters because that's why we're getting the postponement here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they won't play again until October 10th against Florida State, so I get two weeks of sadness. <laughs> well, I guess it's better than than, than not having uh, any football at all. At least you've got the Big 12, and that's why we got Scott here to, to help us lick our wounds a little bit. Hey, it could be worse. I'm a Big 10 guy. I'm still waiting for game one. So, I mean, if you're an SEC guy, you're going to get game one today. So, it's, a, it's all going to come back come back around. Uh, Scott Lamb joins us, rookie, uh, uh, the balance uh, today, and we're really excited to have you on. Let me tell you what, Dan. And so talk with me a little bit about your Wildcats, and let's break down this game against number three Oklahoma uh, this afternoon at noon. Okay, sounds sounds good. Uh, there's it, it's, it's really interesting. When, when, I saw, when I thought the line was going to come out, I thought the line was going to be somewhere around 12 and might get fed up to 18 or 19, and it's blown all the way up to 28 right now. I think there's a big overreaction by the national media and obviously now Vegas too about how the Big 12 has opened up their play over the last couple of weeks. Uh, they haven't came out of the gates very strong. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the, with the COVID. It has to do with not having fans in the stadiums. You don't get the home field advantage. The, the, the Sun Belt came in, and, I mean, they just kicked the Big 12's butt in that first week. Uh, and then Tulsa last week almost took Oklahoma State to the to the ringer. Um I think as a whole, we'll get to see what the conference really is today in the opening opening week. I don't think K-State goes into Oklahoma and wins, uh, but I think they do cover that line. I think that line's completely inflated. Uh, talking about the COVID stuff, Lincoln Riley, uh, he had most of his offensive line out uh, when they opened up against Missouri State. Uh, he, he wouldn't specifically say how many people. Um, a lot of it has to do with the competitive disadvantage. And I think that's why Rick doesn't know who it is that is uh, – actually has the virus in Notre Dame right now. Um, o- Oklahoma, they, they had, I think they were down to 12, 13 people on their death charts on the, on the offensive line. And I'm, in, I'm, <clears throat> I'm interested to see how that works out if this game gets into the second half. Is that offensive line what their conditioning is? I do think Oklahoma State or Oklahoma wins, but I don't think they cover the line. You know, and we joke around about not knowing who the players are, and I know things have a way of leaking out into the media. But I think probably this is just a HIPAA issue. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a federal law. They just can't release the names uh, yep, on that. So, so you, you, you can rely on that. Hey, so uh, uh, Rick, what, do, what are your thoughts on this Kansas State Oklahoma game? We're going to go through some of the SEC games and the rest of the Big Twelve. Why we got you on the line here today, and we'll go through all these games, kind of get a breakdown. Uh, but as we as we begin. Uh, uh, the SEC would begin in the Big 12. Uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, there, uh, Rick? What did you say the line was, Scott, 19? No, that's what I, that's what I expected to get bet to. Uh, it, it actually opened around 27. It's around 28 and a half. Now it's just fluctuating between 27 to 28 and a half. I think that's just too much. No, oh, Oklahoma's covering that, buddy. There's a reason why there's big fancy buildings in Vegas. They know what they're talking about. They know what they're doing. Spencer Rattler, 
uh, Oklahoma's quarterback, that little young kid they have now, is going to be the next big thing. Maybe not this year because Sam Elliger, I think, is the best quarterback in the Big 12. But he is uh, Link Riley's next big thing. Uh, they're going to win by 33 today. Well, well that, it's, it's, it's interesting. You, you know, oh, Oklahoma and Texas, they both opened up. They opened up against Missouri State and UTEP, respectively, basically 30-minute scrimmages apiece. Uh, if, if I'm the college football committee and when I come into the end of the season and I look at a 10-1 and Big 12 team or a 10-0 and Big 12 team, uh, I'm not counting that, that win against UTEP and Missouri State. They're constantly in the, in the bottom 10 of the FBS. Uh, Ar- Kansas State played a full 60-minute game against Arkansas State. They're going to go to a bowl game. They went to a bowl game the last three years. Uh, Arkansas State's a, a decent team. Uh, same thing over in Iowa State when they lost to uh, Louisiana Lafayette. That's another bowl team. It, uh, so I agree. With they've you. had. Some... I agree. I, I agree with you, Scott. I, I really do. Uh, I, I'm that same way. When Alabama plays Cal Ogs University every year and beats them by a hundred, and they count that as a win, <laughs> I, I agree with you. But who did Kansas State open up with this year, and how did that go? That's why Oklahoma is going to dominate today. Well, and I, I want to ask I, you. I, I saw it. I saw a tweet that Scott Scott you sent out. You said that uh, you think the national media overreacted to the Big 12 the first couple of weeks. Uh, Vegas uh, inflated the Lions. Big upset coming Saturday in conference and why the Heisman goes back to the Big 12. Why do you say that? Okay. <laughs> okay then, well, the first thing, I so, so Texas is underperformed. I mean, they're constantly in the top 15 in recruiting, and they constantly underperform. Uh, coaching carousel that's went on there in the last decade. Uh, they, they just can't seem to make the talent uh, perform on the field. And I think that Tom Herman's finally going to have it rolling this year. I think Ellinger is going to win the Heisman for Texas. I think Texas is going to have a big year, and I think they're going to be the cream of the crop from the conference when it's all said and done. And it doesn't matter if there's uh, parity throughout the conference. You have a bunch of 500 teams at the end, but Texas is undefeated at the end. Watch out for them to win the first college football playoff game for the Big 12 this year. You know, Rick, we talk about this every single year, uh, this same person every single year, and, and I don't think it's going to change at all this year. But uh, Black Monday, how many phone calls does Lincoln Riley get? Uh, well, he'll probably get three from the NFL and about 33 from college. <laughs> but does he stay right where he's at? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's staying. I mean, I, I don't know why any uh, really college coach at a program like uh, Oklahoma – uh, Notre Dame, Bama, Georgia, you know, all, all these elite programs. I don't know why they would ever entertain a phone call from the NFL because uh, I just think the elite programs in college football are better jobs than anything in the NFL. In the NFL. So uh, you have complete and total control over your football program in college. In the NFL, you don't. You don't have any of that. You have to answer to your players because they make a lot more money than you. So – I don't. It, it, you have an owner to answer to, a GM. All the elite program uh, jobs in college football are better than the NFL. All right, Scott. Let's move on to the next game. Iowa State against TCU today at 1:30. This will be a really good matchup, and I think the TCU might have a, a, a game on their hands, but I, I still think they pull it out at home. I, I agree with you. I think TCU is going to show up. I think they, uh, they're they excited to get into some, some game action here. Uh, and I think Iowa State, even though they had the big letdown, they might be motivated to get back on track. I, I think TCU is going to pull that one out. Rick, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know, Gary Patterson is like 
that, that, that quietly like a, a really great coach. He always has TCU like prepared every single year. They're always a good team. Nobody ever talks about them. Nobody talks about how good of a coach Gary Patterson really is. Uh, I don't know if TCU is going to pull this one out. And by what I say, what I mean, pull it out, they're not going to pull it out. They're going to roll in this game. He's going to have them boys ready. All right, guys, let's move on over to the Longhorns, uh, two Texas teams. And I like Texas Tech at home on this one. Even though uh, Texas Longhorns come in as, as ranked number eight, uh, Scott, Texas Tech is, is what's well, going to be hotter than you know what in church but uh, today. But at 3.30, Texas Tech Raiders and the Longhorns do battle. But I think it comes down to a, a really close game, maybe even down to a field goal. Uh, Texas Tech over uh, uh, Texas at home today. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about Texas Tech. Uh, I don't know how you give up 33 points to Houston Baptist and only win by two at home. Uh, I mean, we can get back into the, do you have a home field advantage or not? We only got 15,000 people in the stands. But uh, Houston Baptist came in and, and it took them to the Woodhouse. Uh, they're, they're lucky they didn't have an upset. That would have been a bigger upset. That would have been bigger than Appalachian State over Michigan. Uh, I, I think Texas rolls. I think Texas is my, is my team to beat in the Big 12 this year. I think Ellinger has a huge game. Uh, and, I, and I think Texas rolls at Texas Tech. We're still talking about Appalachian State. It's probably one of the biggest upsets of ever of all time history, and it remains on the book on that. But we're still talking about that. Rick, what are your thoughts of the Longhorns and, and the Raiders? Well, I agree with what Scott said earlier about Texas being the the team in the Big Twelve this year and getting to the playoff and possibly winning the playoff game. I think they are that team to beat. Uh, I think Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma needs one more year, and then next year Oklahoma will be that team. But I think this year. It's Texas, and uh, I agree with Scott about how great they're going to be. And since I agree with him, it's going to be Texas in a laugher today. Well, let's move on over here to the Mountaineers and the Cowboys. And, you know, in this week particular, I've been a fan of the the home teams. The only one that I thought would be a little bit different than the home teams today uh, would be uh, West Virginia because I think West Virginia has a – has a uh, quirky way of, of getting plays done and, and has some trick plays, and, they, and they, they, they pull some things out at the last minute, and I think you'll see them uh, get a slow start. But at the end of the game, they'll have enough points on the scoreboard to, to get the W. What are your thoughts there, Scott? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. I, I, I think West Virginia wins this game. Uh, they look like the most complete team in in their opening game against Eastern Kentucky, winning 56 to 10. And Oklahoma State's in trouble. They went down to their third quarterback uh, late in that game against Tulsa, late in the third quarter. Uh, freshman quarterback Green, uh, and he, he he got a, he was able to move the ball, uh, but it was Hubbard that put it in the end zone. But I mean, it was a squeaker in Tulsa. Uh, I think Oklahoma State is in trouble at their quarterback position. They haven't announced a starter yet, and their offensive line is ex- extremely young. I, th- I think West Virginia goes and continues to roll and gets a 2-0. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on that? I also agree. You can only ride Chuba Hubbard so far. He's going to do so much for you if you don't have a, a great offensive line and really no quarterback. Uh, I, I do think West Virginia gets the, the win today, and it's pretty pretty weird because two months ago, uh, West Virginia is one of the teams that said they weren't going to play uh, this year, and yeah. now here we are talking about them beating Oklahoma State today. So, 
So we got the Baylor Bears against uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. Scott, uh, Kansas is on the road to, to going down there to another Texas team there uh, tonight at 7:30. Uh, Kansas at Baylor. I, I, again, I'm going to go back with the home team on this one. We're still early in the season, and so I, I see no reason. But again, you're right. Do we really have the home field advantage uh, in in the world that we're in right now? But I'm going to go with Baylor on this game. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with Baylor. Uh, Kansas has been a laughing stock for the Big 12 for nearly a decade now. I think they are on the rise, but I still think three to four wins is their is their ceiling, uh, and I don't think they get one against Baylor today. Rick, what are your thoughts? The Jayhawks and the Bears. <laughs> Well, I was rooting for them when they hire Les Miles because I, I I thought Les Miles would be a guy that can kind of turn that program around a bit, not to be a contender, but at least be a bowl game contender. And it's just you're not seeing those results just yet. They're not getting those type of wins, and uh, they're shouldn't be they shouldn't be on the same field as Baylor this year. Baylor's still going off Matt Rule's players. I mean, and that guy can recruit. He's got some athletes down in Baylor. I know he's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers now. Uh, it's not even going to be close today. It's going to be over by halftime. Uh, Baylor in a big win. So, Scott, are you a, a Big 12 uh, basketball guy as well? Uh, I, I am. I, I, I enjoy the Big 12. I I, as far as college basketball goes, this one-and-done stuff has kind of really turned me off, but, but I do follow the Big 12. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm a Big Ten guy myself, and we'll see what happens. I Preferably IU uh, and then Notre Dame, uh, but never Ohio State for me. So it, it is what it is. We've got some games uh, going on in the SEC. The SEC is back, and uh, that means uh, Alabama's back. That means Arkansas's back. Ole Miss is back. Mississippi State, Kentucky, Georgia. All the teams in the South are back, and uh, we're going to get into uh, uh, the the road tide here. I mean, why not? I mean, because they're Alabama. We you can never have a college football conversation without talking about Alabama. I wish that was the case, uh, but let's get into this. Uh, we'll start things off with, with the, the games today. Uh, and the SEC is back, and I think this is a great matchup. Uh, be, between uh, Florida at home against Ole Miss, and I'm going to go with the Swamp Gators on this. Uh, 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 Scott, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm going to agree on that. Uh, my my curiosity today with the SEC, it's, it's good to see them back. Uh, I want to know if they're going to come out flat like the Big 12 did uh, or if they're going to be firing on cylinders. I, I don't believe they're going to be firing, uh, but it, it should be interesting. They're going straight into conference play today. Well, and I know, Rick, you're a big fan of Clay Travis. Uh, Scott, I don't know if you listen to Clay Travis, but certainly he's all about the SEC, and he was really super excited to have the SEC back. And obviously Tennessee plays tonight. We'll get into uh, to that game. So, But t- the SEC, it makes I think, is a huge uh, puzzle piece to bringing sports back, and Big Ten being, uh, being one of them, obviously also the Big 12. I think we're getting to the point where we're actually starting to see the mega conferences uh, come back and begin to, to play football again. Uh, Rick Riggin, uh, what are your thoughts on Florida on the road against Mississippi? Well, Stan Mullins, right, a great head coach in the SEC versus uh, Lane Kiffin, first-year head coach at Ole Miss now. Uh, Lane Kiffin keeps getting these high-end jobs. He's not that great of a coach. He's a funny Twitter handle. I'll give him that. But uh, this isn't going to be the year. Uh, yeah, Florida's going to roll in this game. Guys, let's go ahead and talk about Kentucky and Auburn. I don't think there's a lot to talk about here. I mean, I think the Tigers are pretty solid. They're ranked number eight exactly where they need to be ranked at. 
as a fan, I'm certainly not a UK fan, but I'm, there's nothing for me to get excited about this game. Uh, there's nothing for, that shows me that Kentucky could go on the road to Auburn and, and, and beat the Tigers on the road. Uh, Scott, what say you? Yeah, I, th- I think Auburn pulls it out. I think it's going to be a, a close game. I think it goes into the fourth quarter, but I, I do think Auburn will pull it out at the end. What's the spread on that one? Do you know? I, I believe it's eight and a half, but I'll, I'll double check. Okay. Well, that would be anything that close. I think I would steer away from it. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a, a decent line. That's for that's for sure. Rick, what are your thoughts? Hey, I, I agree with Scott here. I think it's going to be closer. I, I don't. It's going to be a close game in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, it's one of the Stoops brothers as the head coach of Kentucky, and he's done a great job since he's been there. But I think in the end it's going to be War Dam Eagle. They're going to be on Toomer's Corner, socially distanced maybe, uh, throwing toilet paper rolls six feet apart. Uh, it's going to be all over in this game. The, the, the score right, is seven it. and a half right now. Seven and a half. Okay. All right. Well, that's even closer. So that's a. That's just me. I'm. I'm a. I'm a conservative better anyway. Uh, so I. I kind of steer away from those. Those. Uh, those games. But you know, I would do that with, with the Colts. So what? Who? Who? I got to practice what I preach. Mississippi State, LSU in your backyard. There, Scott. Uh, on the uh, Mississippi State on the road again. And nothing too exciting in the Rice Krispies here. Uh, snap, crackle, pop. The Tigers win again two tigers that we just talked about back to back what are the odds on that number six lsu yeah i think lsu rolls in this one but i am going to be curious to see what after they've had all that turnover uh from last year but they have it every year with the nfl draft and they always seem to be able to perform uh i, I think lsu uh, rolls but i want to see how uh, how they look with their roster turnover rick reagan mississippi state lsu yeah, well, Mississippi State's going to win this game. And I'll tell you, it's for two reasons. One, Scott just mentioned all that LSU turnover. Uh, they, they've had to replace a, a lot of like, NFL talent, and uh, we don't know what they're going to look like. But I'll tell you what Mississippi State's going to look like. It's the debut of Mike Leach, and he's going to bring that air raid offense and open things up in the SEC. And I, I don't think uh, Coach Joe and LSU has seen an offense like that here. Because the uh, SC is kind of smash mouth straight at you, right? And uh, State Mike Leach is going to spread it all over the field. I'm taking Mississippi State here. You well, know, I've if heard I could piggyback people... on that real quick, and Go ahead. the uh, yeah, of course. And, and and we talk about the air raid coming over to the SEC. I mean, it's it's been almost a decade of this college football playoff, and the Big Twelve and their high powered offenses have had zero success against SEC defenses. And that's exactly what I was going to say, but I also was just going to make a, a just a, an observational statement that the Air Force guy uses the word air raid. I, I don't know where that came from, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't let it go, Rick. I love you, brother. Maybe you should just I go look you. up college football philosophies, Tom. That's where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly where it came from, brother. I know where it came from. I, I, I just, I, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta keep, just gotta keep prodding. But no, in in, in all fairness, I mean, Scott, you have a valid point. The, the, these passing games have never did well in the SEC, and maybe one of you guys have a good reason for that because they do well in in, in other divisions. They certainly do well in the Big Ten, uh, and and they do well with Notre Dame. But I, I just. I wonder why there is uh, such a, a problem with the passing game in the SEC. I mean, I'm looking for an answer because I don't know. Well, Scott just said well, there, there, there's, the answer. It's defense. That's the problem. Those SEC right. defenses are elite. They're all NFL yeah. players. 
Yeah, there, there, there's a difference between an SEC secondary and, you know, the, the, the secondary will always win against a great passing offense. And the Big 12 recruits, great receivers, great quarterbacks, but, but those secondary players shut down corners all across the board. Uh, that's where the difference is. So we talk about defenses, and this is this is a defensive game coming up here. We've got uh, the, the Razorbacks and, and the Bulldogs, Georgia, on the road against Arkansas. These are two very, very tough defenses to penetrate and, and, and to break. It's going to be difficult, especially this early in the season, for Georgia to come in and beat Arkansas. But Arkansas isn't ranked. So for that, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's going to be Georgia's game. But it is certainly – it. Little fans or no fans, Arkansas home field advantage is like none other. Uh, so I, I, I got to go with Georgia on this, but it's going to be a difficult challenge for them. But certainly, because again, because they're ranked, I'm going with Georgia on this one. Uh, Scott? Yeah, I'm going to go with Georgia, but there's a chance for an upset today in, in the top ten. It's going to be Arkansas coming in or pulling it off at home. Um, I, I think Georgia <laughs> sneaks it out. <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. I'm just you go ahead. Yeah, I is I, I, gonna win this game, but I I think Arkansas could be sneaky good today. Uh not not their outlook for the season, but I think they could come and pull something off to start their season. Go ahead, Rick. I'm gonna go with Georgia. Uh yeah, so here we go. I mean it, it it's the SEC championship games coming down to Georgia and Bama again. Do you guys realize this right? Uh Georgia's gonna have no problems against Arkansas today. Arkansas is Maybe the worst team in the SEC they have been the last two years. It's going to be the same way this year. Uh, Notre Dame was supposed to play Arkansas like last week. If the schedules never got changed, the whole coronavirus thing never happened. This is Notre Dame's second game of the season where they were going to be favored by 75 points. Uh, Arkansas and Vandy are going to compete for the worst teams in the SEC. The first one to the first win is the winner of that 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 grudge match. So maybe they play each other and one of them has to win. But yeah, Arkansas and Vanderbilt, the SEC, maybe getting one win. Well, <laughs> I, I'll give I'll, I'll give you that one. That means that we've got to go on into to the the talk with Alabama and Alabama uh, without Tua and. Uh, you know, we talked about Tua for so long, and uh, then we heard the NFL saying uh, uh, losing for Tua or trying to get Tua. Uh, and, but but yet they're still ranked number two without Tua. Uh, and Tua was is a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but unfortunately, we have to give credit where credit is due. The Alabama Roll Tide always always has it together. It, it, it would be it'd be. Uh, crazy to uh, bet against them, but we look at the Missouri Tigers at home, and we look at early season with Alabama in historical data, and you're looking at analytics. Historically, Alabama doesn't do well at the beginning of the season. Where they succeed is at the end, which is when they need to. Uh, I, I kind of just think there's going to be a close upset here, and Missouri's going to beat Alabama, and I might be the only one on the planet that says that, and it's probably going to be a blowout, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be publicly shunned. But I, I just there's something in my innards that say, just because if you look at analytics, if you look at historical data, uh, that Alabama is going to struggle today against Georgia. Go, well, yeah. go ahead, Scott. What do you and, and and I don't know if they struggle, but they, they, they there's no way they're covering four touchdowns in this game. 
Uh, they lose their quarterback. They have two receivers go in the first round, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. Uh, so I, I think they get back to some meat and potatoes offense, uh, running the ball, have some ball control. And if you're playing that type of offense, uh, you're not going to cover four touchdowns at Missouri. But, you know, but that they will win. That should to 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 bet the cup to to bet the, the 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 line, if you will, might just be enough money for you. If they if they did cover you, you, you would win enough money to make your house payment, possibly, depending on how much you, you go with that. Rick, what are what are your thoughts on Alabama and Missouri? Yeah, so they do have replaced to a, a hell of a talent, right? But they're replacing with Mac Jones, who actually has a ton of experience because. Every second half that Tua didn't play last year, guess who was playing the second half? It was Mac Jones. He it's not just like some newbie yeah. that's running out there. He has a lot of no, game you're experience. Right. They're they're going to beat Missouri by at least four four scores. All right, guys, we had a couple more games on tap here. Vanderbilt on the road against Texas A and M. Not not a lot to talk about here. I certainly feel like Texas A and M at home has no problem against uh, Vanderbilt. But what are your, what are your thoughts there, Scott? Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Uh, Rick thinks Arkansas is between Arkansas and Vanderbilt is the for the uh, yeah, at the definitely. bottom of the SEC. I think Vanderbilt is the worst team in the SEC, and I don't think they have a chance at Texas A&M. I totally agree with you on that. Go right ahead, Rick. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a Texas A&M bye week. So. <laughs> like I, love I love it. I love it. Well, and uh, so now we get to, to the final game in the SEC, uh, Tennessee, uh, old Rocky Top, which. Uh, our, our social media director, Melissa, is that's her team against the Gamecocks. Gamecocks, I'd love to say Gamecocks, uh, South Carolina. <laughs> Tennessee wins easily uh, uh, on the road against uh, South Carolina. There, uh, Rick. I mean, that's uh, Scott. Sorry. Uh, I don't. I don't think easily. I think the spread on this is only three and a half. Uh, I do like Tennessee to go in and win, but man, there's so many letdowns that they seem to have. Uh, at the beginning of the season, whether it's whether it's Florida, whether it's Jordan, they just don't compete. Uh, and I want to see if they can go and compete for 40 minutes and not get behind early, as seems to be their trend. Uh, but I, I hope Tennessee can come and pull it out. Rick, what are your thoughts? Uh, the Volunteers and the Gamecocks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they just uh, signed Jeremy Pruitt to an extension at Tennessee. So he's going to have to earn this and the way to earn it is to go out and win games like against South Carolina in the first game of the year, not lose, and then make everybody second-guess that decision is giving you an extension. So, uh, Tennessee needs to win this. they got to have this game. Jerry Pruitt's got to have this game. So, they're going to win this game. It's going to be cold, like Scott said. Uh, but what I'm really looking forward to is the Pac-12 getting up and rolling uh, with their uh, their seven games and maybe yeah, like they can absolutely. play the bowl games. Because I, I want to see South Carolina against Oregon State, uh, Cox versus Beavers. <laughs> I saw all you did there, Rick. That's pretty good, man. Man, that's that's clever. I wish I would have thought about that myself. That's 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 oh good. That's good stuff. What Rick said. Uh, hashtag what Rick said. We we've got that going on now on our on our social media. Scott, who's your NFL team? Uh, I'm a Denver Bronco fan, and we are okay. having a rough start. I didn't see that one coming. I was thinking more of the Chiefs or the Saints. But, okay, what's the story about the Broncos? Oh, man, it's just devastation with the injuries right now. Uh, Mike hit Drew Locke back hopefully within three weeks, but it's looking between a three- to five-week window. Uh, They just signed Blake Bortles this past week, but Driscoll's still going to be the starter. Um, Sutton's out for the year. 
Von Miller's out for the year. Uh, I think in the yeah, young, they that. already have the youngest offense in the league. Uh, it's, 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 it's rough going ahead. Uh, we're going to see what happens when Brady and the Bucks come in tomorrow. Um, and, and we'll see if they get, the team gets up and comes together and sees that they can be still can be competitive. They've been competitive both weeks, um, but the injuries are just devastating right now. How weird is that to say uh, Tom Brady and the, and the Buccaneers? Uh, Rick, I know you're a Lions guy. We're going to be, getting, be talking with Ed Kratz at the end of the show here, our beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, and our official NFL contributor. So we'll be breaking down all the NFL games, but we got a minute or two left here. What say you about your Lions? <laughs> Not much to say until they get rid of Matt Patricia. And the, the hot yeah. rumor is that uh, Jeff Bezos is going to be buying the Lions at the end of the season, and Martha Firestone Ford finally selling the team. It looks like uh, that, Jeff yeah. Bezos is the front runner, which I don't yeah, know why I mean, he wouldn't be. He's like the richest man in the world now. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I saw that. We'll see how that that plays out in the in the coaching carousel. Obviously, I'm happy with my Colts getting a, a good win at home uh, with Philip Rivers, uh, and so that kind of balances the scales with Jacksonville getting whomped on uh, by uh, from Miami. So I, I, I will take it and run with it. Guys, it's been great. My name's Saul Mark Russell, Presidente. Uh, uh, Scott, we typically share people's uh, Twitters, but go ahead and tell us what your Twitter is. Infantry something 1978. Yeah, it's Inf- Infantry Blue 1978. Uh, there is no I, N-F-N-T-R-Y, Blue 1978. All right, buddy. You know what? We really appreciate it, and I hope that we can we – can, uh, have you back here as often as you want. You have a, a an open door uh, uh, invitation, so you just uh, let us know whenever you want to come on, and you're more than welcome to come on and talk Big 12 with us, sir. Yeah, hey, I appreciate you having me. Uh, one more game I just want to give you a thought on was the Army-Cincinnati sure. game today. Uh, I think that's going to be the game to watch today. I love Good watching the Army offense come out and play. So let's, let's see. Uh, I think the winner of this game is going to take that group of five and get the New Year's Six Bowl. I think you and I, no matter what, are always going to go 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 night. So yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you joining us very much. Thank you, uh, Scott. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you, buddy. Scott Lamb joins us. Uh, he's uh, on his way out of the army. Been in the army for several years, and really enjoyed having him on. And we certainly love the veterans in, in, on this show. That's for sure. And one of our, our favorite veterans is Rick Riggett. Rick, thank you so much for jumping on with us today, sir. Where can people find you working, Master B? <laughs> At Riggett underscore Rick. And hey, hot take by Scott there. The Army Cincinnati and the group, the you know the group of five, the non-power five teams like sneaking in the playoffs. That's a real hot take. And I I'm on that same train. So I think Cincinnati is going to possibly take that playoff spot because uh, we got two non-power five, uh, two of the power five conference not playing a full schedule. If a non-power five goes undefeated, this is the year to put one of those teams in. This is it right here. And I think Cincinnati is going to be uh, that team. So good job by Scott uh, on bringing that up. No, absolutely. I really enjoyed having him on. Uh, Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Oh, yeah, that was the original question. I'm sorry, that was the original question. (laughs) Absolutely. Rick. (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll make sure that we'll make we'll make sure that that we that we get up. Remember, also the new hashtag is what Rick said. So, what Rick said. Hashtag what Rick said. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So it, we want South Carolina versus Oregon State in a bowl game at some point. Uh, we got the cock. <laughs> I love it. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Have yourself a good weekend. Yeah, have a good one, bud. Always fun. All right. See ya.
Rick Reagan and Scott Lamb joining us to breaking down some college uh, football action. Right around the corner, Tony Donahue with the Tony D podcast. We're going to get into some racing action right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. College football, college football is slowly becoming back together. SEC starts to again this week. Big, uh, Big 12 in action as well. Uh, so uh, we got a lot of college football action. Joining us now is Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast. We're going to kick off uh, the the racing action here in just a moment. Tony, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Tom. How are you doing? 
Fantastic, man. Never better. It's always good when we can get some football uh, back. You know, uh, we're going to get into uh, the IndyCar here in just a minute, but we do have, you know, the the Big 12 and the SEC back. We've got some uh, games that, uh, you know, got some big spreads, some uh, tight spreads, and I know you're the betting guy in in the group here. Uh, When we look at the SEC and the Big 12 this weekend, uh, you got any any, uh, sure bet for us, sir? I like Florida to be able to go into Ole Miss and, and, and handle the Rebels nicely. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a tread lightly because, you know, you don't know how much these kids have been hitting each other. You don't know, you know, what they're going to come out and, and prove. You know, with Alabama laying 29 points, you would think Alabama would roll over Missouri, but next thing you know, they have a couple missteps or they have a bad quarter where they struggle and it's hard to cover 29 points. So, um, I really like Florida. I think Baylor should handle Kansas. Kansas is not a very good team. Um, but I'm looking forward to that West Virginia-Oklahoma State game. It's going to be one of the better games of the day. You know what? And I don't know if you heard our, our segment earlier, but we were talking about that exact game and how that, that is like shaping up to be a perfect storm and a great win uh, for West Virginia. I think that's going to be a really uh, good game uh, for sure. Well, let's get into the IndyCar talk as we get prepared for next weekend. Uh, the Harvest GP at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the limited to the, uh, number uh, of fans in the stands. Hey, something's better than nothing. Uh, other than that, maybe not a lot of protocol is going to be changing. How? What's the process for fans when they, uh, when they uh, go – to the to the race next weekend. I don't know if there's any tickets available or not. But what's the process in which they they enter and what what what's set up? Because I know we got protocol set up for drivers and teams. What's the protocol set up for fans? Yeah, I just think uh, you know when you order your general admission tickets, you got to pick the north end or the south end of the track if you're going to be on the inside um, of the course. There's some. You know, there's some, some seats available in the bleachers. But, again, you're going to have to just do what you would normally, I guess, the new normal, which is get your temperature taken, um, probably fill out a survey saying that you feel well and you feel good. Um, and then once you get inside there, just enjoy some racing. I mean, how good does that sound, to just get be inside the, the track? Are you going to be able to get into the track on next weekend? Yeah, I'm going to try to go both days. Should be able to. Looking forward to it. Um you know, it's the it's the first time in my life I'll be able to kick off my birthday week with a race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So you got to take full advantage of that, right? Happy birthday to you, sir, man. Happy birthday to you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about. I mean, we're kind of knocking on the door of the funny season uh, with IndyCar, and let's let's talk about some of those that might be affected. And one of those I, I think that, that comes to mind, unfortunately, one of my favorites is James Hinchcliffe. Is he going to have a ride next year? Well, he's going to get a chance to prove that he deserves to be in that number 26 car by finishing out the last three races, the two races at Indian and the Grand Prix of St. Pete um, with Andretti Autosport. It's Zach Veach steps aside. You know, Hinch, he's a great personality. He's a great driver. He has an incredible future, I think, in broadcasting, especially with NBC Sports. But I don't think he's ready to take that next step. I think he's, he still wants a full-time ride. And it's going to be up for grabs. We'll see what Andretti Autosport does. A lot of the way Andretti operates is, is if one car is fully funded, then you move to the next one and you see where you can disperse money. So we know he's got some money with that Genesis contract that he had this year, that sponsorship with five races. And we'll see if Gamebridge uh, stays on board. I think Hinch will have a great shot to be in that 26. Maybe you move Colton Herta over to that 26, and then you put somebody else in the 88 Steinbrenner car. 
Connor Daly, if he's got enough money with the uh, U.S. Air Force to go full-time racing, uh, he might be a candidate for that 26 car as well. But, but right now, I mean, you got to say Hinch is the front runner because he's in the car for the last three races. And if you have great results, maybe a podium finish, uh, qualify up front, it's going to be hard to say, look, I've got money. And look at the results that I had. Top 10 at the Indianapolis 500 this year. Ran well the last three races. I've got the money, so let's do it. So Zach Veach, speaking of Andretti's Autosports, Zach Veach is leaving uh, Andretti. Uh, what do we know about his future and, and what, what's entailed for him? You know, Zach's a very smart kid. Um, he just The results just simply weren't there, and then that happens a lot. That happens, yeah. you know, time after time. Guy has success and then he lights, gets a chance, and just can't, just can't contend. I mean, when you look at the Andretti Autosports stable, you've got Rossi, usually a contender for a race win, has had some bad luck this year. Colton Herta, usually a contender for a race win, won at Mid-Ohio. Ryan hunter Ray had a pretty decent indie kind of, you know, he, he, he flirts with, with the podium, but he's a, he's a fifth to tenth place guy. Then you look at Marco Andretti and Zach Veach, and they've been in the bottom half of the field all year. They're right on the cuffs of being in that 22nd position for the leader circle money. And, you know, Zach just didn't have the results. You know, I could see him maybe doing a one-off indie effort. But, but again, he's a guy, too, that could go and, and maybe coach up some indie lights drivers. He possibly has a chance to do some radio broadcast um, stuff and possibly even become a race strategist. So, Zach will be fine. Unfortunately, I just don't see him being back at IndyCar full-time anytime soon. Let's kind of go through uh, some of these drivers ahead of the uh, the Harvest, uh, G- G- Harvest GP. Um, Colton Herta. I'm really impressed with Colton Herta, and certainly he's in a great position. He's a pedigree. He's done a lot of the right things uh, through his career uh, from Indy Lights and in, in, in other uh, developmental series, and now that he's in uh, the IndyCar series, he certainly has earned his ride uh, with Andretti, not just because of his dad, but because he's a dang good driver. Yeah, and Colton's a guy that, you know, you look at the way he was brought up and you knew that he had talent, um, and you were just waiting to, to get that win, and he got that so early in his career at Coda, backs it up with another win, wins this year at Mid-Ohio. He's impressive, and we just, we, you know, we kind of forget how young he is at 20 years old. And you look at the young crop of IndyCar core right now of drivers that are sub-25 years old that have a future in the sport, Colton obviously leading the way. Um, I think Alex Pillow has some awesome talent. Renus VK has shown speed and talent. Santino Ferrucci, a guy that I know you love, um, has shown a lot of talent too. So, you know, as much as you would love to see these young kids succeed, some of these older guys, the Scott Dixons, the Takuma Satos of the world, they're not, you know, even you could even put Will Power in that category. Seven Pagina, who are you know over 34, mm-hmm. 35 years old. <clears throat> Some of these older quote unquote drivers aren't going anywhere either. So I think it's a good balance of uh, of age uh, in, in the IndyCar series right now. And, and Colton Hurd is certainly leading the charge for the young guns. You know, another guy that I've been paying attention to this season that he's still in the top ten, but I just think that he he's got a lot of talent there that's yet to be discovered, and that's Pato Award. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even mention him when it comes to the rookie battle, and that's that's on me. He's, what, third in points. You take away a few bad pit stops, um, some misfortune late in that race at Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. He should have a win, and he could easily be sitting second in the points. He's ran well on every track. He's been fast. 
Um, his teammate Oliver Askew is not going to race the next three races. Um, we know that Elio Castroneves will be in at Indianapolis, which I think could help the team because now you've got a guy, a veteran driver, who can take the information that he learned from Penske and say, hey, here's what I like on my setup. And, you know, it's when you bring in a veteran driver like Elio Castroneves and say, hey, here's how I like to get around, that's going to make your team better automatically. So uh, Pato Award is definitely knocking on the door uh, to be a first-time winner in IndyCar, and it could happen over the last three races. Does Scott Dixon get another win at Indianapolis Motor Speedway next weekend? Uh, you know, it's easy to say yes, but, you know, he won there earlier. We know that, but he hasn't been the best on that road course outside of the win earlier this season. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and say, no, Dixon does not. I'm going to say Dixon does not win a race win any of the final three races. How about that? Okay. Uh, we're going to, we're going to roll with that. Let's go on over. Uh, we're going to go out to Vegas uh, with NASCAR, obviously uh, the race going on this weekend. Uh, tonight, I believe is the uh, Xfinity series in Las Vegas. And you have Chase Briscoe, Austin Cedric, Justin Alger, and, and, uh, Ross Chastain uh, rounding out the top five there, top four there uh, for the Xfinity Series, the Osco 300 out in Vegas. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, well, I first and foremost need to mention last night's truck race. Uh, it was a pretty spread mm-hmm. out race. Sheldon Creek dominated. Um, then Austin Hill gets the win, but it was cool to see Travis Mastrana and Connor Daly run um, that truck race. It's, you know, kudos to Connor, 18 place finish after starting 29th. He had never been in the truck. They didn't have any practice or qualifying. He literally showed up at the racetrack with his suit on and hopped in the truck for the first time, worked his way up. So it would be cool to see Connor run some more part-time truck series and Xfinity series races. Vegas tonight, um, you know, the thing with the Vegas track is it's very fast, but it's one of those cookie-cutter mile-and-a-half races. So you've got to keep that thing off the fence because it seems like that high line is the way to go. Um, why, not, why not the Indiana boy, Chase Briscoe, get another win tonight? Heck yeah, Mitchell, Indiana. <laughs> That's where he's from. You know, you're talking about the truck series. Uh, you were talking about the truck series. What do we know about Natalie Decker? Well, she didn't race last night. She wasn't medically clear, which I thought was a little weird, as they had her truck on the. Uh, yeah, that's what the, that uh, where the question came on the from. Grid. Yeah. yeah, so I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really. I was kind of looking on Twitter throughout the race, didn't see anything officially. So. Um, you know, we'll have to see what the story was there, and that was a Nice Motorsports truck. They came with four yesterday, including Pastrana and Daly. Um, then they had Ryan Truex and another truck, the younger brother, Martin Truex Jr. So um, I haven't checked this morning throughout the race last night is that she was medically not cleared to race at the last second. So uh, that, I thought that was a little odd, so to speak, so we'll have to see. And it was, you know, I was out at the ARCA race last week in Winchester, Indiana, which is an awesome old-school high bank, mm-hmm, short sure. track, higher Absolutely. banking in Bristol. Um Got to see Haley Deegan run. That's the next, you know, up-and-coming driver, I think, in, in NASCAR. I think you'll see her run uh, the truck series next year, maybe some Xfinity starts. She's got Monster Energy and Ford backing her. She's great with the fans. She's got a huge, a huge social media following. So, uh, yeah, you talk does. about Haley Deegan uh, being probably her and Natalie Decker being the next two. Um, and, and, and I think Haley Deegan sits, if I'm not mistaken, uh, she is currently third or fourth in the Arkham Menard series points. Well, I'm looking at her Twitter uh, right now from this morning. She says, I know you all are wondering what happened and what is going on. We are boarding soon to, to get back home uh, from uh, where there will be further tests run and further evaluate the diagnose and, and have a diagnose. 
I'll let you know as soon as that is complete. Thank you for all your prayers and support. That's from at Natalie Racing. That's her Twitter uh, handle uh, that we follow there on uh, on uh, uh, Twitter. So that's that's the latest on what we know. This. So I was just curious. I didn't know if you had if you had if you had heard anything on on that or not. Well, let's talk about the 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 uh, Cup Series as we roll into uh, again. Uh, Vegas tomorrow. Yeah, you talk about betting odds. Obviously, when it comes to NASCAR and Vegas, um, you know, I could probably place a bet on every race the entire year that Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin end up winning, and I'd probably come out ahead with some money in my pocket. It's because those guys seem to be the winners every week. You know, sprinkling a Brad Keselowski and a Chase Elliott now and then. Uh, my thing with Vegas is I go back to what we saw in Kentucky a few months ago. We had an upset winner in Cole Custer. Um, he kind of, you know, got tires late, made his way up through the pack. But it's always, you know, I, I'm not going to say the big one like we see in Talladega, but there's always two or three wrecks, it seems like, at Las Vegas. It kind of shakes up the field. I look for a guy in Joey Logano to find his way up towards the front tomorrow. Brad Keselowski seems like this is a four dominated track. Um, but also got to watch out for is Kyle Busch. You know, he's right on that cusp line of the playoffs and, and advancing. He hasn't won this year. Um, you know, he's going to do his best to one, not only win to advance himself to the next round, but two, get a win in his hometown in Las Vegas. And three, you don't want to go into Talladega next week, whether you're a truck driver an Xfinity driver or a cup driver having to win or have a great finish to get in because you just don't want to trust anything that can happen at Talladega. So I think you're going to see a lot of these guys that are right on the cusp of the playoffs taking risks to try to play some strategy to get up towards the front and maybe steal a win, steal some stage points, or finish in the top five. So we talk about Bubba Wallace, uh, and NASCAR appeals panel upholds Wallace's penalty. And, and I think Wallace has just been getting a lot of attention here recently because of a lot of different reasons. He's, he's, he's leaving uh, Kyle Petty. To, I don't know exactly where he's going. Maybe you do. Uh, we, we know his, his stand and, and stuff with the, with the social injustice. And then we've got this penalty happening in that uh, you know, NASCAR appeals panel upholds uh, uh, Bubba Wallace's penalty. So I feel like Bubba Wallace has got thrown into – the limelight for a lot of different reasons, uh, but I also feel like there's a there's a there's a part of people that feel like, well, wait a minute, we can't we we can't penalize Bubba Wallace for anything. Oh, no, wait a minute, we we can't say anything against Bubba Wallace, and, and maybe that's just the the environment that we're in right now. But what are your thoughts overall, big picture, 365 degrees high over, over Bubba Wallace? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty awesome that he's bringing a guy like Michael Jordan back into the into the sport of auto racing. Jordan used to own Superbikes. Now him and Denny Hamlin teaming up and making um, a, a team for Bubba Wallace to come race. I think there'll be some awesome sponsorship opportunities. You know, you'll have the you'll have the Jordan brand uh, to to promote. You'll have Denny Hamlin, who is a champion. Um, you know, Daytona 500 champion three times now. He's in contention to win this year's cup championship. Um, I think there's just going to be so many sponsorship opportunities we've seen so far with Bubba. You know, cash, the cash app has came on, DoorDash. There's all these opportunities. And I think he wants to finish out the season, you know, for Richard Petty Motorsports, given, you know, given the opportunity they gave him. He wants to go out with the bang and, and, and give them a chance to win races. Um, but I think he's very much looking forward to the opportunity to go into racing next year with Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan as his owners. So, you know, 
talk about Jordan and Hamlin in, in, in a minute. A lot of people, you know, just because of the world we're in, you've got one side of the fence and you got the other side of the fence. And one side of the fence says that Bubba Wallace is only being afforded these opportunities because of the unfortunate situation that we find our world in. Do you think that he's being offered these opportunities because of that or because, well, because he's earned it because of, of being a good driver? I think everything he's been given. I think that everything that he has been given and everything that has came his way, he deserves. And I hope he continues to get more of it. And I hope it translates into race results. Um, But I think all the sponsorship opportunity um, and seeing the value in an African-American driver in NASCAR Mm -hmm. is awesome. It's huge for the sport. It's huge for Bubba. And it's a huge opportunity to expand and grow your business by saying, look, we're, we're sponsoring somebody who is doing his best in a, dom, in, a, in, a, in a white dominated sport. And look, you could say he doesn't have the results. Well, you know, I can't, I can't name you the last time a petty car finished in the top 10. So um, is that Bubba or is that the car? You know, you, you, you take the yeah. opportunity that you give that you're given and you try to make the most of it. I think he has. And I think it has caught the eye of many sponsors, as we talked about. It's caught the eyes of Michael Jordan. It's caught the eyes of Denny Hamlin. And they, it's caught their eyes so much that they decided to, to form a team to put him in the car and give him an opportunity to compete and win races. And I couldn't be uh, happier for Bubba Wallace. He's a great guy. He's a great ambassador to the sport, regardless of his color. Um, and I hope that he turns this into results and makes the most of the opportunity, which I think he will. No, I totally agree with you. I think it's a good opportunity. I'm curious on what – it just seemed like this is kind of a out-of-right-field relationship between Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just curious, did they have a prior relationship or a prior friendship? Was there a, a broker that brought the two of them together? I mean, how how did the, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan – because you don't really ever see them associated with each other, but, but now you do. What, do we know what – created that relationship well denny has been an air jordan athlete for about five to seven years now he's the only driver in american motorsports that has the michael jordan Jumpman logo on his suit okay. um it's, it's been that for for years he was a courtside um you know he, he was a courtside season ticket holder to charlotte bobcats games that's how he was introduced to michael jordan when you know, Michael okay. Jordan has his ownership stake, and now when the Bobcats, now the Hornets, and that developed over friendship and over time, um, Denny became a sponsored athlete. And Denny has talked over the last couple of years about, you know, getting into the ownership side of, of racing and motorsports. And I think this was a, a great opportunity where Michael Jordan saw value in putting his name and his brand with Bubba Wallace. And that's kind of how that whole situation came about. So, um you know, you love to see the crossover of different athletes in different sports, you know, have ownership. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works. Sometimes it hasn't. We saw Carmelo Anthony on an IndyCar team, and both his drivers wrecked in turn two on the first lap of the 500. Um, you know, but this dates back. This has been going on for years. You know, Walter Payton had some ownership in Dale Coyne Racing on the IndyCar side of things. As we know, Brad Doherty has ownership in NASCAR um, and the, the 37 and the 47 cars. Um, you know, G- uh, Joe Montana had ownership in, in Target Chip Ganassi racing in the mid nineties with Jimmy Vassar. Um, so it's cool to see. I like seeing it. And I, and I hope, you know, people see the value in it and, and, and it works out for, for, for all parties involved. 
So real quickly, one more final thing here. Ross Chastain will move into NASCAR full-time series with Chip Canassi. That was announced on Monday. Uh, Canassi has tabbed the 27-year-old Chastain as the next driver of the number 42 Chevrolet. Uh, so uh, not bad for a Florida watermelon far- farmer, huh? Yeah, what I like about Ross Chastain is he has been criticized for his driving, but he has taken the most out of opportunities in the truck series, the Xfinity series, and the cup series. He's driven a lot of different cars that are very underfunded, and he's been able to drive them pretty well. Um, I think he found a little bit of a home at college racing this year, winning races. And you talk about a guy that, that started with, you know, running cars, for JD Motorsports that, you know, just had red paint on it and maybe a watermelon sticker because that was his sponsor. As you mentioned, his, his family owns watermelon farms. But, again, you talk about a guy who's taking the most of an opportunity and has built that up into a full-time cup ride. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to see if, if the talent is there and what he can do in NASCAR because we know that 42 car can win races. Kyle Larson won races in that car, you know, the last couple of years. Matt Kenseth, you know, big learning curve for him, learning the new car, new team, and then you throw in, obviously, the COVID pandemic. So, uh, yeah, happy for Ross Chassain, and, 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 again, hopefully, just like Bubba Wallace, he can take this new opportunity and, and be able to display his talents. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast steps in and, and takes uh, handles uh, racing for us today. Appreciate you uh, joining us real quickly. What a great win. I play the homer card with me a little bit here, but what a great win it was for the Colts and what a great loss it was for Jacksonville. Um, and uh, the Colts, I felt like, really, really looked good. And even without Jack Doyle, they, they managed to, to pull off a pretty solid win. There were there were a few uh, penalties that were still that we that could have been uh, that could have been and should have been avoided, but overall I think they looked a lot better in week two, and then we got the Jets uh, t- tomorrow. What are your thoughts about the Colts? Uh, are you are you getting optimistic yet? Um, you know, I just we knew that they're going to have to step up in the running game with Marlon Mack out, and I thought they did. I thought Philip Rivers was okay. I wasn't the biggest fan of the Philip Rivers signing. Uh, the jury is still out to me on Philip Rivers. I think the Vikings are just a really bad team, as we've learned the first two weeks of the NFL season. Um, I think I think we'll be talking in a week from now with some rose-colored glasses because I think tomorrow the Colts will blow out the Jets, uh, you know, 38 to 10, 30, 35, 14, something along those lines because the Jets are the worst team in the league. Uh, but we'll see. I want to see four consistent weeks of football out of the Colts. Philip Rivers not making mistakes, uh, and I really, I really enjoyed what I saw out of Mo Ali Cox last week. So, hopefully they oh, can yeah. keep that rolling. I think, I think tomorrow will be a confidence building win because the Jets just aren't a very good football team. Then we'll see what happens when they get in the, you know, in the division play because Houston isn't awful, but not as good as they were last year. Tennessee's been been okay, and Jacksonville, as we know, has already beat the Colts. So. Um, we're going to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. The Colts have a a relatively tough schedule. You know, if you take a look at it, you get the Jets coming up this week. And as we know, there's going to be, what, 7,500 fans in the stands tomorrow. Uh, you get a Bears team on the road next week. That's going to be tough because that defense is really good. Uh, then you get a couple cookie cutters and Browns, Bengals, and Lions winnable games. But then it really starts for the Colts coming up in November. That's That's – that's why I think there's going to be a lot of false hope that they're going to beat up on good teams here to start the season. But, you know, that November stretch of Ravens, Titans, Packers, Titans is going to be uh, what what makes a difference in this cold season. 
Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. Where can people find your working masterpieces, sir? Yeah, it is Tony D Indie on Twitter. Uh, my podcast is the Tony D Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, next week it'll be will be the will be the meat and the sandwich time of two IndyCar races out at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We'll have one that has we'll have a winner of one, and we'll be previewing one later on that day. So looking forward to two races out of IMS next weekend. Oh heck yeah! Always a, a perfect weekend when we can race out at IMS. Have yourself a good uh, weekend, sir, and we'll talk with you, sir, soon, sir. All right, take care, Tom. See you. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast, joins in, talks some racing with us. IndyCar obviously coming back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway next week uh, for the Harvest uh, GP. Going to be some good racing out, out there. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Up next, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, helps us uh, wind down the show today in breaking down week three in the NFL. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable. You know, back then I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee. I eat bread in the bathtub. Hey, that's gross to me. There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams. The new fun of the kids. Billy, Billy, my Billy, Billy, where are you, Billy? So I need to talk to you regarding money. A stomp. Welcome back to the final quarter of the show, the most 
important part of it. No, I'm just kidding. Every part is important. Thanks to Mo for the BS Sports Show for jumping on with us this morning and, and talking with us a little, little bit about a, a sensitive subject. And, and uh, you know, it, unfortunately, it's the world that we're in right now. And certainly referring to Charles Barkley's uh, comments. And, and, and I have to say on this part of the fence that I agree with Charles Barkley on this particular uh, issue. I don't always agree with everything that he says, but in this particular issue, I, I agree with him. And uh, also, thanks to Rick Reagan and Scott Lamb for joining us uh, for um, some uh, breakdown of the Big 12 and the return of the SEC and, unfortunately, the postponement of the Notre Dame game. We don't know the players. Obviously, the tip of the laws that, you know, I know things that leak out into the media, but uh, I don't know who they are, but uh, there, there are issues with Notre Dame, and that's why their games are pro- postponed until till October. And then just now we had Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast joining us, certainly talking about IndyCar back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway next weekend for the Harvest GP with a limited number of fans. But joining us now is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com and our official NFL contributor rolling into week three. How are you, sir? Oh, doing good, Tom. Week three's here already. I can't, you know, when you think about all the uncertainty with the pandemic, never sure we're going to have a season now. It just seems like we're going to get every week of the NFL season, you know, pandemic be damned. That's right. That's right. Uh, so real quickly, and, and we don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we spent some time on it earlier on in the show, and certainly social media is having their fun with it, if you will, and national media, depending on what side of the national media you on, is having their fun with it. Uh, but Charles Barkley uh, made a comment that was received negatively, and I think it goes because it went against the narrative that because you had a police officer kill somebody, that you know it was it, it basically trying to put it all on the same issue of what happened in Wisconsin and Minneapolis, two completely different issues. It's unfortunate that the young lady died. She, uh, you know got caught up in the in the crossfire, if you will. Um, that's unfortunate, but her boyfriend did shoot a cop and was running from a cop. And so they, and the cops did get charged and possibly will go to jail for a felony, but they didn't get charged for a murder, which seems to be the whole upright uproar about everything. And that's because it wasn't an intentional murder. It was an accidental thing. And, and uh, they got charged with the endangerment. But I think the other part of it is they weren't charged with the endangerment of the woman they killed. They were charged with the endangerment of the the neighbors. So just real quickly, I'm sure you've heard about that with with Charles Barkley, but just kind of the topic at hand. What are your what are your thoughts about one way or the other? I mean, I just was wondering what your thoughts are with what Charles Barkley said. He basically said what he basically said was it's it's not the same thing. The, the, what happened in Wisconsin, what happened in Louisville, are not, are not the same thing. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, kill, honest, I didn't want to do a third. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see what Barkley said. I didn't really hear what he said. Um, I know he said something about that, but I just, I really haven't had okay. time to digest much of it. I've been, I've been oh, really I kind of busy that. trying to figure out. I've been trying, busy trying to figure out what's wrong with Carson Wentz, and you know where Zach Ertz might get traded, and. Uh, why the Eagles are off to an 0 and 2 start. I mean, that's kind of been my world the important, uh, these last the important, few days. The important things in life, huh? The important things in life. I, well, I, I, it's, it's what pays the bills, is what, 
is what it does. Well, so, yeah, you know, I really got I got I have to kind of stay plugged in there. Yeah, and, no, I, uh, I totally agree. Well, that, that's why we, we we talked about it earlier. I just wanted to get your thoughts on just because it's kind of been the, the topic that's floating around. But let's talk about your Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I I, I felt bad almost for, for being so excited for a Colts win and then to see the 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 Eagles lose. But I mean, you're zero two. Just what's what's the atmosphere like there uh, in in Philadelphia with the fans with the team? You get let, let's figure out what's going on with Carson Wentz. What's, what's, uh, bring us up to speed on what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, you know, as you could imagine, the mood's not good. Um, you know, Owen too, there were certainly better expectations than that. And when you see a quarterback like Wentz, who, you know, really basically had an MVP season in 2017, uh, throw back-to-back interceptions, or, or I'm sorry, have games with back-to-back interceptions, first time in his career, he's done that. He's already got four interceptions. He only threw seven all of last year. He didn't throw his fourth one until, you know, October 20th. So, you know, clearly, and his accuracy is down. You know, he's throwing 58% completion rate. So, you know, clearly there's something wrong, and it's a multitude of things. Um, I don't think it's – when a quarterback's struggling like this, I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's a, a collection of things. You know, could Doug Peterson put a better game plan together? Uh, to get him kind of on the move to take advantage of some of his athleticism. Uh, could Carson Wentz want to, you know, try to run the ball a little bit more? He seems very hesitant to, um, you know, to try to pick up any types of yards on the ground. You know, back three years ago when Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator, he he said that their goal was for Wentz to pick up at least one first down a game with his legs, uh, and he's not doing that. So is he is he shy that he's going to get hurt? I mean, it's just so many things that, you know, we could go on and on and on with this list here. But, you know, obviously, 0-2, this team, I think, is being affected by Zach Ertz's contract situation. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that I've been told is going on with Ertz. And um, it seems like he really wants to get out of town. Um, and I think the Colts could be a team in play, Tom, to be honest, if the trade deadline comes around and, you know, the Eagles are sitting here at 2-2. and five or whatever they might be uh and the and the culture in the mix which they should be uh then you know there's a chance Ertz could go to indianapolis i know there's some interest there um Mm -hmm. and the seahawks are also in play for Ertz. so i mean there's just a lot of things going on behind the scenes that um you know i've been told and uh, i could just go on and on with the mess that is the philadelphia eagles right now but and you know and i don't think they're going to win on sunday against the bengals to be perfectly honest well, and that was going to be my, my next lead-in question there. You don't have Malcolm Jenkins, and, you know, it kind of feels like it, it could be a do-or-die de- uh, die for the defense with, with the with the Bengals, but you got Joe Burrow coming in. Uh, so, uh, Gal, let's go ahead and break down that that, that game uh, tomorrow, week three. If you guys go 0-3, that's not a good place to be at. No, I like I said, I this – season to me looks like it's got all the earmarks of a five-win season just based on what I know that's going on behind the scenes and um, what a disaster it is but uh, you know I mean I could certainly see them beating the Bengals I don't you know it wouldn't surprise me though if they lost I mean the Bengals look they give up a lot of yards on the ground you know they've given up the second most yardage on the ground 380 yards so far only uh, second uh, behind the Detroit Lions who have given up, I think, 408 yards on the ground. So, you know, this to me is a recipe for, you know, getting Miles Sanders going, 
uh, Boston Scott a little bit and taking some of the pressure off the quarterback, you know, because Wentz isn't playing well, so you don't want him to have to do too much. And, you know, the Bengals' run defense isn't real good, and I don't think they're going to have Geno Atkins. They're playing with a couple young rookie linebackers who I liked a lot in the draft coming out, Team Davis Gaithers and um, Logan Wilson. Um, but, you know, the Bengals have Joe Burrow, like you said, and, you know, he's got a receiving core that's very tall, um, against the Eagles secondary that's not really tall um, with Darius Slay and Avante Maddox. So, you know, I could, you know, I, I was in on a Barrow conference call earlier this week and, you know, he talked about trying to get the deep ball started and um, I could see them trying to do that, you know, try to go deep to AJ Green and John Ross and, you know, T Higgins, even the rookie. I mean, he's got weapons. The only weapon he doesn't have is a tight end. Uh, which for the Eagles, you know, we saw them give up three touchdowns to a tight end last week in, in the Rams as Tyler Higby. They couldn't cover a tight end. So, uh, you know, that it would be good if they had a tight end that they could throw to because they could take advantage of the Eagles' inability to cover a linebacker or a tight end, rather. Um, but they don't. But I think they can do some things in the pass game and they can run enough with Joe Mixon. It's going to be a challenge for the Eagle defense to – uh, to stop them. So the Eagles are probably going to have to put up points. They're going to have to control the clock with the run game to try to have a chance to win. And you said that you, this has all the markings of being a, a five-win team. If that happens, there's going to be some hot seats going on in Philadelphia. I mean, is, is it Howie Roseman? Is, is it Deck Peterson? Is it Carson Wentz? Is it a combination thereof? Uh, I mean, do they want to get rid of Hurt not knowing what's going on with with uh, with Carson Wentz, I, I, I'm curious if that if you get that five win mark that you think is going to happen with the Philadelphia Eagles, there's going to be some heads that roll. Where does it, where do they start rolling at? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, Doug and Howie are both signed through 2022, so they have two years left on their deal. Now, if they were to be brought back next year, um, you wonder if they would be given an extension or just fired. Um, you know, I. I have to kind of be careful with what I say just because of some of the things I was told, but I, sure, I will sure, say totally that there, there, there is, um, you know, Doug came out and talked about how he's, he believes every player should get what they can get in re, in response to a question about Zach Ertz. He said, I'm all in the players camp. Uh, they should be able to get what they get. And, you know, Zach's been great. And he really sung the praises of Zach and really took the side of the players. And um, I, I know that, did not really sit well in the front office, uh, you know, those comments that he made about uh, about that. So, you know, I would think that there's going to be some pressure on Doug first. Uh, Howie Roseman's been here since 2000. I mean, him and the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, have, you know, a father-son type relationship. I think it would be uh, very difficult for Jeffrey to give up on Howie um, too quickly. So, to me, if you're going to roll ahead, I think it could be Doug's head. Uh, that would get rolled, uh, or they could choose to bring him back for one more year, kind of like they did with Andy Reid when Reid struggled at the end. You know, with Lurie and Reid were tight, just as Lurie and Doug are, are pretty tight. Um, they gave Andy one more year, and he went four and twelve. And then he begged for his job to stay for one more year to, to turn him around. And and Jeffrey said, "No, you're you're gone." And he went to Kansas City, and now he's got a great quarterback. But um, anyway, I, I could see Doug being kind of the sacrificial lamb here, or even maybe Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator whose defense looks uh, with, like you said, no Malcolm Jenkins. He's in New Orleans left in free agency. Um, he doesn't have that stabilizer anymore on the defense. And now they might be without Fletcher Cox or to me, their best player on both sides of the ball on Sunday. He's got an oblique injury. 
Um, but, you know, it could be Jim Schwartz that gets sacrificed here. And they bring Doug back for one more year and maybe Howie, too, because they are under contract. So um, th- those to me, those are the two heads that will probably be on the chopping block. Not so much Howie, I don't think, even though Howie's got a lot of culpability in this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think the coach in the D.C. would be uh, really kind of uh, facing guillotine, if you will. Well, one of the things that I think that you got to look at with 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 Howie, and that is over since 2017 collectively, since 18, 19, and you look at 20, has there really been a success story come out of the draft? Has he really been able to put together a good draft? And I don't know if that's part of the problems right now, but I, certainly you, you would think that responsibility of the draft lies in his lap. So that's kind of where yeah. we're going to well, process on. Yeah, just quick on that. I mean, his philosophy on the draft always seems to be is we're not going to get guys that are going to help us right away. Now, Jalen Rager, this past year's first-round pick, was going to help right away. But you look at some of these previous drafts. He drafted Andre Dillard last year in the first round, left tackle. They had Jason Peters. They didn't need him. He likes to draft players that two, three years down the road, they can plug in as starters when they need them. Uh, He did it with Dallas Goddard. You know, when when they won the Super Bowl, they came into the draft that year, traded out of the 32nd pick and went for a tight end. Uh, when they have Zach Ertz uh, on the roster. So, I mean, he drafts guys that with an eye toward two, three years down the road. He rarely drafts for immediate help. And I think that's caught up with him a little bit because some of these guys haven't panned out two, three years down the road, uh, and they need immediate help. I mean, that's why he has to dip into free agency and sign guys or trade for them like Slay because he's not getting the immediate help in the draft. Right. Well, let's move on around the league. We're talking to Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SA.com. Certainly Monday Night Football was an AFC matchup. Uh, the Dolphins walked uh, the Jaguars, and I was happy to see that win from uh, both the Dolphins and the, the Colts this past week. Uh, certainly Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the credit for that. Kua still sits on the on the sidelines with the Dolphins. Uh, but any, any takeaways from that game? Well, I, I felt bad for all the Gardner Minshew owners in you know fantasy football. Yeah. I hope you weren't one. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, everybody, I picked the Jags to win that game. I thought they'd win that game. You know, the Dolphins just got torched, them, I think, against Buffalo four days earlier. Uh, but the Jags couldn't really do much. So that was a surprising win for me. And Fitzpatrick, you're right. He's going to keep, you know, he's going to keep two on the bench for a while. <laughs> I, guess it's, I, I guess it's good for Tua to develop and get that hit better or whatever his injury issues are. But, yeah. you know, he wants to play, I'm sure. But Fitzpatrick's not making it easy. You know, Tua's sitting on the sidelines. Hey, wasn't everybody tanking for me? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 49ers are on the road in New York City against the Giants. Uh, well, uh, who are they playing with? They got a bunch of replacement players off the street for the 49ers. I mean, did you see their injury? So, yeah. It's, it's oh, bad. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, it's really bad. You know, they're two defensive linemen, Thomas and Bosa are out for the year, I guess, with ACLs and, uh, Garoppolo's out, I think, uh, you know, most hurts out. I mean, they're just banged up. So, you know, the Giants, you know, they're still – is it the Giants or the Jets they're playing? I think they're playing – I think they're playing the Giants. Yeah, the Giants are still yeah, trying to feel their Giants. way under Joe Judge, first-year coach. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's against the Giants, yeah. Um, but the Giants, you know, they fell behind against uh, – I think it was the Bears last week, and they almost rallied to come back and win. Um, 
So there's some signs, but the Giants are banged up. I mean, they lost Saquon Barkley to an ACL. You know, there were seven torn ACLs on Sunday uh, around the NFL. I mean, that's just, you know, you wonder if it's because there was no training camp, much of a training camp, no preseason. I mean, are these guys really ready to play this quickly after coming to training camp and after an offseason where they couldn't go to their gyms because everything was closed? Uh, but Barkley's loss is huge. They signed Devontae Freeman. Um, you know, I don't know how much up to speed he'll be or how much he has left in his tank, but uh, losing Barkley hurts for the Giants. So this is really going to be a game of attrition. Uh, whoever's whoever's depth is better is going to win the game. Well, let's play the homer card with me now. Uh, the, the Colts get a great win uh, against uh, the the Minnesota Vikings. We say great. Minnesota Vikings really aren't that good. That's okay. And the Jets aren't really that good either. And as Tony said uh, in the in the last segment, we're probably going to be looking through Rose Collar glasses after after this week. But uh, hey, we'll take we'll take the Ws. Uh, but Philip Rivers looked a lot better. And it was good to get the win at home. There are still some penalty issues, and we're still having some issues with. Uh, Injuries, and, but Cox, man, man, he stepped in with for Jack Doyle. And on Sunday morning, uh, at the very last minute, I was just kind of browsing through, and I realized that Cox was going to be the next man up for Doyle. And I went out there, and I thought, well, I just wonder if he's out there available to pick up real quick. And there he was. He was just sitting there. And so I grabbed him, and he, I think he scored me 17 points or something like that in fantasy football. Uh, but nice. so the Colts had a great win over the Minnesota Vikings. But there again, it was a great win over a bad team. So, But we'll take the W. Uh, the Jets are at home. I mean, no, I'm sorry. The Jets are here in Indianapolis. Uh, for a home game against the Colts. What do you say, sir? Yeah, it's great pickup by you to get the tight end there. <laughs> Still sitting on the, <laughs> sitting out there as a free agent. I mean, that, that's pretty sweet yeah. deal. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the Vikings were, you know, they had similar expectations uh, to the Eagles coming into the season. I mean, they, they were supposed to be a, a good team. Um, you know, they lost, of course, Diggs, and that hurts. But, you know, Kirk Cousins, I mean, you talk about Carson Wentz's struggle. My goodness, Kirk Cousins, he had a 15.9 passer rating in that game through three interceptions. That's just, you know, I don't know how he can start again this week, but I guess, I don't know who their backup is, but I guess whoever it is isn't as good as Kirk Cousins, which is hard to believe. But, um, yeah, I mean, and listen, the thing I like about the Colts, too, is I like Jonathan Taylor. I mean, where where would this team be? especially if you lose Marlon Mack, if they didn't draft Jonathan Taylor. Again, a kid that, you know, can come in and help right away. And he went over 100 yards. He gave him the ball, what, 25, 26 times in that game. I mean, you know, that guy's a workhorse. And behind that line, I mean, that's that's the recipe right there. You ran – Rivers only had to throw 25 times. All right? So that's a good thing when you have an old man back there playing quarterback like Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to you want, you want to take some of the stress off of him. And you want to run the ball. They ran it 40 times. And they threw it 25 times, and that's that's fantastic. That to me is a recipe uh, for victory: is to run the ball. And, and it's so passe in the NFL. Teams don't like to run. There's this, you know, this uh, big emphasis on you know big chunk plays and throwing the ball down the field and uh, passing. But you know, really to me, it's the NFL is still what it was back in the 50s and 60s: is run the ball, run the ball, set up the pass. It makes the pass more effective. And when you have uh, the tools to do it, like the Colts seem to have, then then lean on it um and now you have the jets and the jets you know obviously they're struggling they're probably going to be in the hunt for a top you know draft pick this year first overall or top three again 
always the case with them, it seems. So this is, a, again, a winnable game. But you have to worry about the Colts. They, they had a winnable game, I thought, when they played Jacksonville in the opener, and they kind of laid an egg there. So you have to learn that lesson is, look, we can't take anything for granted. You know, we still have to go out there and get fired up and motivate ourselves and, and, and take care of this team. We can't take them for granted. We can't keep them in the game. We have to get out fast, and we have to hold on and keep the pedal down and, and beat this team and beat them good and move on to week four. Well, we got time for maybe one or two more games. Washington is at Cleveland, and uh, well, we know. <laughs> unfortunately, we know that Washington has got a a relatively decent start. What are your thoughts about Washington and the Browns? Yeah, uh, the Browns had a nice win. They had ten days off now, I guess, after playing Thursday night against the Bengals. Um, you know, they looked good in that game. Got Odell Beckham involved, and you know, uh, Stefanski to me looks like he might have this team pointed in the right direction and Washington very good defense um you know they got a really good front seven but they're still to me offensively challenged Dwayne Haskins I'm really not sure he's the answer there quarterback um he doesn't have a whole lot of weapons around him either I mean they're going with rookies Antonio Gibson who I I liked a lot in the draft um he's running the ball probably more than catching it but you know he's a he's a multiple use type weapon uh, but they're, to me, they're just, I mean, they have McLaurin. If you can shut McLaurin down on the outside, then, you know, who else is going to beat you? Um, so I'm not sure it's all Haskins' fault at this point. He just doesn't have the weapons. Um, so to me, the Browns can really take advantage, of, if they can take advantage of the Washington defense, which won't be easy. Um, but I think if they don't make mistakes, if Baker Mayfield plays a clean game, they should beat Washington. That's the only way they beat the Eagles in the opener to me was because the Eagles turned the ball over three times and um, gave up short fields, you know, very short touchdown drives to Washington. And you can't do that. You can't beat yourself against Washington. That offense beat you because I think nine times out of 10, it's not going to be able to do that. One final game and the Cowboys are coming off of a shocking win against the Falcons. And I'll tell you what, that was like, what in the world was all of that about? You know, and then to just come back and win uh, by a field goal in the very last seconds of the game uh, against the Falcons. But they're on the road in against Seattle. Uh, what do you tell us, the Cowboys and the Seahawks? Yeah, I watched that uh, onside kick. You know, we were, it was, I was in the press box uh, last week uh, in Philadelphia, and um, they showed the onside kick, and I'm, I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. It's a ball just kind of – they just watched it. It was like watching a bunt. Roll, try to let a bunt roll foul if you're a third baseman, but it, it it just kept going, and nobody from the Falcons tried to get it, um, which was surprising. And then I didn't see what happened after that because then we had to jump on these Zoom interviews and blah, blah, blah. So sure. uh, great win, though, by Dallas. I mean, I kind of compare that to maybe a galvanizing effect uh, that we saw in Philadelphia when Jake Elliott makes a 63-yard field goal to beat the Giants in 2017 early in the year, and the Eagles go on a winning streak that eventually catapults them into the number one seed, and we know that how that story ends. But uh, that's a good win for Dallas. That could galvanize them. Um, I think Seattle's coming off of a pretty emotional win against the Patriots, even though that's an interconference game, NFC versus AFC, not as important in the grand scheme of things if you're trying to get to the playoffs. Um, but that was a big win. You know, they stopped Cam Newton on that fourth down run uh, or, you know, whatever it was when time ran out down at the two-yard line. That's, a, that's an emotional win. Now, can they regain that? Uh, without any fans, you know, they don't have the 12th man up there in Seattle. Uh, can they recapture that same, you know, energy to play a Cowboys team that's coming off a huge win, riding a big momentum wave? Um, 
I think Dallas can win this game, but you can't ever count out Russell Wilson, who is just having uh, an amazing start to the season with nine touchdown passes. He's only thrown 11 incompletions. Uh, his completion percentage is 82.5%. I mean, you, you can't do any more than what he's doing right now. So uh, I would never count him out. I think it's going to be a really good game, but I think Dallas can win that game. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ed, we appreciate you joining us as always. We're glad that you put the magazine down this week. We're able to come out of the can. <laughs> where can people find where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kratzy, K R A C Z E, uh, or uh, on the SI.com uh, NFL Eagles page. Uh, you can find my work. Well, hopefully you guys can give a welcome to the NFL hit to Joe Burrow uh, tomorrow and, and get a win. Yeah, we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing Burrow play. I really am. I mean, I think he's the future of that organization. Zach Taylor, their brothers, you know, presses an assistant coach here in Philadelphia. Zach, of course, the head coach of Cincinnati. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how much brotherly love uh, goes on in Philadelphia tomorrow. Yeah. All right, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. All right. Thank you, Tom. You too. All right, Ed Kratz, Philadelphia Eagles, joins us and uh, talking with us a little bit about uh, the the NFL and the craziness that, that's going on. Well, that was the wrong button. <laughs> uh, thanks, Tim, from the BS Sports Show. Thank you to Rick Riggin and Scott Lamb and Tony Donahue for the T- Tony D podcast, all a part of this show. Um, my name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Remember, don't drink and drive it in cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.